Today on The Topping Show, Ford puts a pause on the F-150 Lightning production. Activists threaten big firms. Montana will not enforce ATF's brace rule. PepsiCo said that they are going to kill Sierra Mist. All that, much more for on The Topping Show. Diving into the business section of the podcast, Ford said they were going to put a pause in the production of their electric truck, known as the F-150 Lightning. A spokesperson said it was due to a potential battery issue, and it doesn't also help that the vehicle is 38.9% more expensive than when it hit the market. And right now, that's their biggest electric vehicle, right after the quote-unquote Mustang EV, which... Many still debate if they should have used that name, the Mustang E-Mock being their electric car thingamajig. Interesting. All the automotive news, the U.S. government might cut Tesla out of $3.8 billion in EV charger subsidies. Specifically, the Department of Transportation is requiring Tesla open charging stations to all manufacturers by combining by adding a combined charging standard plug, known as a CCS plug, that way, they will be able to qualify for the National Electric Infrastructure Program. That program has about $7.5 billion tax dollars to give to charging networks around the country to reach the goal that the country, I believe, they want to have half the country users having EV vehicles by 2050, which is a tall order considering the amount of lithium needed for that in and of itself. And you also have the infrastructure. So... This is not the first time Elon and his companies have come under scrutiny and have had to work with these types of subsidies, I suspect. That's going to be very interesting. It might it might be one of those... It, Tesla might not, might not be a bad idea to say, sure, we have this option, but it's 10 grand or some audaciously high price so that it still technically qualifies for the subsidy. Because, I mean, one of the nice things about the Tesla charging network is it's optimized for your vehicle. And... Man, it's a double-edged sword. You're going to have a lot more users, but if the users aren't paying into it, how does that work out? I don't know. That'll be interesting to see what Tesla does. I, for that much for that much money, and they'll be able to expand their capabilities and their network that much more, I don't... I would suspect they're going to go with it. Now, going over to activists and affecting big businesses, that's not anything new, but it seems to be... Increasing. So according to Axios, 18% of large companies were targeted last year, and they claim the shareholders are increasingly, increasingly tolerant towards activist investors. Firstly, I don't buy that at for one bit. For the overwhelming majority of history and for most shareholders, they invest in a business because it is going to make them profit over the long term. They're investing in their 401ks. They're trying to grow their retirement fund. They're trying to make some extra spending money. And for the longest time in history, a business's main purpose has to been to the shareholders and their employees and their clients. And this whole new, they call it, I believe it's cap, socialistic capitalism or something along those lines. But it'll be interesting to see how many of these businesses bow down to a minority of shareholders, there's these activists are buying to the company. Will majority of people just not care and say, "Oh yeah, just you know, profitability, just throw it away. We don't, we don't need that. We'll 
we'll go after these particular social issues we want. Um, but I mean, it's already happening. One big example was investment firm Tryon Fund Management, and they are self-proclaimed an act. They're self-proclaimed a activist firm, and their founder N Nelson Peltz. Uh, last quarter, when Disney was crashing with their stock and their cash flow in 2022, they were pressuring Disney to put him on the board of directors, which that would give him unprecedented amounts of power controlling the company. And Disney pushed back saying, hey, you have no experience and you don't have enough percentages to tell us what to do yet. And that's one of the reasons Twitter got so nervous when Elon bought, he personally bought, I believe, 10% of Twitter. Because the bigger the percentages, the more of the say you have. And I mean, that's why if you look at any Shark Tank episode or you talk to a lot of entrepreneurs, I mean, they always say never give 51% of equity because it's no longer your company. It's someone else's company. It's either the shareholder's company. It's maybe another investor. So that's why there's a lot of, if you watch those investment shows, that's why there's a lot of emphasis on those types of things. And so it'll be interesting to see what they do. Now, Walmart says they're going to, roll out a return to office or RTO and closing tech hubs. So they actually have 20,000 IT employees at Walmart supporting both the stores as well as their ginormous e-commerce. They they really expanded that in 2016 when they bought Jet.com for $3.3 billion, which was at the time the biggest competitor to Amazon, and that helped bolster Walmart's presence online. So they did lose some money, obviously, through that process, but... What I, from my research, they basically took the best of what was Jet.com, incorporated it into their e-commerce, and now Walmart's e-commerce is perhaps the second most popular e-commerce. It's certainly the biggest competitor in the United States to Amazon.com, which, of course, has an overwhelming majority of everything. So they pl Walmart plans on closing three tech hubs. They currently have, I believe, actually, no, they have six hubs in the United States. And it's interesting where they're shutting them down. They're shutting them down in Austin, Texas, Carl, Carlsbad, California, and Portland, Oregon. And I'm not surprised because some of those things, those places all have in common, they're incredibly expensive. And you have to pay for a lot of, it just increases the cost of everything. And right now, a lot of businesses are trimming the fat out of their budgets, trying to be more competitive as the economy becomes more and more bleak and inflation just gets worse and worse. So I'm not surprised they're turning down those hubs and having people relocate to the other hubs and to the company's main headquarters over in Arkansas. And given Walmart's history, I'm sure it'll be a good, it'll probably work out in the long term. So tech, tech is one of those things where there's a lot of competition and the standard right now is to basically work from, work for, work from home. And Walmart's going to guess the grain with this. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Other business news, Subway, now 58 years old, they are looking for a buyer. So they just confirmed that they are working with JP Morgan to help oversee the sale. And last month, they reportedly worth about $10 billion. And it's one of the most successful franchises in US history. I think at one point, they had more locations than McDonald's, which is saying something because that was the staple of Americana and franchise. The whole model is McDonald's. And this sale would be the Largest sale since the sale of Dunkin' Donuts, which sold for $11.3 billion to Inspire Brands in 2020. And it'd be interesting to see if a new buyer could help turn around and increase the growth rate 
of Subway since for several years they've been declining and many people think both in quality as well as in quantity there's a lot of people say they oversaturated the market with the number of locations of the stores and that made both the franchisees unhappy and it just wasn't a great situation so we're going to to see how that turns out going to the culture i'm usually pretty disappointed depending on the glasses how it's half full but it's nice to see some people push back on the insanity of Chelsea Handler. I, she's purportedly a comedian. Some people say she makes people laugh. I, that might be a myth. That, that is what some report. And everyone is giving her a good backlash for this video she posted called Day in the Life of a Childless Woman. And let's see if we can play that really quick. This is a day in the life of a childless woman. I wake up at 6 a.m. I remember that I have no kids to take to school, so I take an edible, masturbate, and go back to sleep. Pause. So she's starting her day off by waking up, reminding herself that she's alone. Don't know if that's some positive. Some people might be, but she celebrates this fact by consuming drugs and then going back to bed. She's off to a shaky start, in my opinion. I wake up at 12.30... Stop. She wakes up then at 12.30 p.m. Now, purportedly, she's a comedian, so she could sleep all day because most of them work night shifts. That's kind of how their industry works, but... I just... Why would anyone brag about waking up at 12.30 p.m.? I mean, I'm an old soul. I'm usually up around 4 15 a.m hit the gym for a couple hours and i work usually till darn near 10 p.m again i don't know why she's bragging about that p.m and get ready for a busy day of doing whatever the fuck i feel like i put up <laughs> so she's bragging about having no responsibilities or anyone in her life interesting my most impractical and stylish shoes since okay. i won't be chasing a child around the grocery store I for the record you can chase child children and men with high heel shoes it's not perhaps recommended but you can definitely do that i go to my fave spot in paris to grab a croissant i do a what the hell does that so she she goes to paris for a snack Sounds like Jeff. Is this Jeff, is this Jeff Bezos? What does he do? A meditation sesh on the plane, since I have no screaming kids, allowing me all. She because if you have kids, you can't do meditation. It's not like you could properly discipline them and actually give them responsibility and actually teach them how to be well behaved in public. That 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 just can't happen. I think my eyes might hurt from all the eye rolls. Let's resume again. This train wreck. All the time in the world to become enlightened. The weightlessness of my existence has granted me superhuman powers. I teleport myself back home. Then I get ready for a night out with whatever hot guy I met on Raya that morning. So now she's bragging about hooking up with random guys, which I don't know if that's prudent or social. I don't know why you brag that about that to begin with. I don't know why guys do that a lot. Maybe if you're having a guy talk in the locker room, but locker room, but. I guess they just want to advertise that to the world, but it's even more strange when a woman does it. I, it's one of those things of supply and demand. It's promise, 
promiscuity is something that is very much glorified and embraced in modern society but i never i never was taught that i never really understood it but but let's let's keep this going it's there's but i, I do warrant it's only about 20 seconds left so the the train wreck is almost it's off the rails but it's it's almost it's almost done I call up the babysitter and tell her that I don't need her since I still don't have kids. Why do you call up a babysitter if you don't have kids? Sounds like she has one on speed dial. Is she hoping to have kids someday? That that would be very long-term planning. That, but yeah, so she just calls up babysitter for no reason. All right. Now it's time for a workout. So I hit Mount Everest for a quick climb. Quick climb? People die on that trip. That's not a quick climb. That's... That's clearly ours. I know people, and usually cost fifty to a hundred grand to climb Mount Everest. It's no cheap feat. I've I've known people who have looked into the financing behind that. And that's not something you usually do in the afternoon. I invent a time machine, go back in time, and kill Hitler. Crazy bastard! It's amazing what you can do when you have this much free time. And that's a day in the life of a childless woman. Terrible. She was a business that would be a business blunder, nevertheless, needless to say. But, again, that is one of the most cliched things in modern society when it comes... First of all, time travel, it's never going to happen. But the most cliched response is always, I'm going to go back and kill Hitler. Which, given the resources he had in the army, I don't know how... She, is she, she super Does she think she's superwoman? She can get past all the guards and all of that? I don't know, but it's a cliche. I, you hear it every time they have that ridiculous scenario, but maybe she is. I mean, so she is, I believe, 50 without kids. So there might, I, I, it's hard to tell if she's being genuine or if she's trolling the world. I mean, it, based on her past, it seems like a lot of these actions. I don't know. That is. But it is nice to see most of society pretty much telling her this is ridiculous. Why are you bragging about this? Why are you making this video? So for once, the culture is winning because they realize how utterly ridiculous that is. Another big news in the culture section, YouTuber, and again, I'm gonna bush these names, not trying to, but I'm trying to I'm trying to say it's right, but Nas Eep E B K pulled a knife on a couple. So these are very popular YouTubers, hundreds of subscribers, or hundreds of thousands of subscribers, what have you. And this is an interesting fellow. So aspiring rapper, and he has a prank where he and Naughty Cuz, spelled N-O-T-I-C-U-Z, they go up to random people in airports and attempt to steal their bags, saying that the bags are in fact theirs. Which is probably one of the worst places... And they do it, of course, just get YouTube clicks, laughs, videos, whatever. Subscribers, I guess. So you're just going off to random people, pissing them off, and possibly even stealing their personal possessions. And the pinnacle or the precipice of the situation, so these two big, I'm trying to think of how a nice way to describe them, big, strong-looking guys go up to a couple um, so the two big burly guys, Nas and Naughty Cuz, they go up to a couple who are getting their luggage and they say, hey, you know, that's our bag. And they claim 
pointing at the woman's luggage. And one, maybe it's not, not because, starts to approach the couple. And I will give credit. The, it's not the husband, so maybe the boyfriend. He physically put himself in between the two, which, of course, if you're a man, that's what you do. So he went in between them. He said, hey, this is our bag. Don't mess with us. You know, leave us alone. And the, the temperature started to get a little heated. So, brilliantly, Nadika's friend, Nas Eep, pulled out a knife in an airport, threatening the boyfriend and girlfriend as they started to leave, exclaiming, don't you know who I am? Which is one of the most narcissistic things about modern society. I, I almost joke. I, I've never done that. I almost want to joke and say that and immediately say, oh, no, no, you don't know me. There's no reason to. It's, it's one of the most narcissistic things about modern society. Celebrities do it all the time. It's politicians. So many people do it. It's a sure sign someone is just ridiculous. And, and this also is a great example of airport security being theater security. So this guy had a knife in an airport, and it was a sizable blade, and he just whipped it out. Nobody stopped him. The situation only diffused because of the boyfriend and girlfriend walked away throughout the through the exit. And then Nadi Cuz tried to talk his friend down. I mean, if airport security is any proficient at all, why wouldn't they have a Marine take that guy out in twelve you know, one tenth of a second? You have an imminent threat, guy pulls a knife on a couple in an airport, which I thought was something we need to guard and you know highly protect so this is a fail both culturally as well as a security fail as well needless to say Nas Eek probably won't be prosecuted unfortunately just because that's modern society even though that was clearly a threat with the weapon and intent now going to the politics the governor of Montana Greg Ianforte said he will not enforce the ATF's new pistol brace rule. And the ATF is a very interesting body of government. They are not supposed to make laws by definition. The purpose of them is to enforce the laws passed by Congress. And an interesting thing occurred a couple of years ago. A brilliant service disabled veteran came up with the idea of a pistol arm brace so he can safely shoot his AR-15 one-handed because he had lost the other uh, limb in combat. And we have Guardian subscribers, I'm very proud to say. So we have, I believe, four. So the funding is increasing. So this isn't just paper. This is cardstock. So here's a picture of the original pistol arm brace. And if you see, it looks like a stock, but... Oh, learning. Eh, there we go. It's actually a strap that goes around the arm... And it allows you to brace the gun while shooting it so that that service-disabled veteran could safely shoot the firearm in, in a controlled environment. So the ATF signed off on this. They said, this is legal. No, you don't have to pay any special taxes or registrations on the product. It's an arm brace. It's meant to be brace your arm. That's okay. However, some users figured out that instead of strapping it to their arm, they can simply place it to their shoulder, thereby, in the ATF mind, 
redefining it to a short-barreled rifle. And thanks to the National Firearms Act of 1934, there's a high regulation around short-barreled rifles, short-barreled shotguns, as well as machine guns, any other weapons, and destructive devices being the main categories. So you can still purchase those items if your state allows, but you need to pay a $200 tax stamp to the U.S. Treasury Department. Thankfully, that, that dollar amount was not adjusted for inflation, so that was the amount in 1934. And you have to register it, and of course you still have to pay sales tax on top of that. And because of the price of the item, it completely obliterated the whole ecosystem and the products at the time. The tax was more than the item's worth. And the ATF was saying, well, we're going to reclassify this. So I know this um, sometimes logic is logic in the government are kind of like oil and water. They you could try and mix them. You really can. And there's rumors that they sometimes just do, but they usually it just doesn't. So here is another Fancy. This is at least worth three cents, maybe one tenth of a cent in ink as well. But here's here's a picture of a that is called a pistol. It's an AR-15 pistol. You see right there. There's a little foam wrapped around the buffer tube, which is a functional part of the gun. Every time you shoot the gun, a little buffer behind the bolt carrier group goes back and forth, back and forth. So it has to go somewhere. So that's why you have that. That pistol you could walk into a gun store and buy standard. Sales tax, 4473, which is the paperwork to purchase a firearm in the background check. And it's just a pistol. However, this is a SBR or a short-barreled rifle, which, because of the 1934 Fire National Firearms Act, would require a $200 tax stamp, a registration, a lot of prohibitive paperwork for the individual to purchase if their state allows to. They look pretty similar, don't they? they are it's just that piece of plastic stock on the end so million there's an estimated 10 to 40 million americans who bought this product called the stabilizing arm brace the atf said it was legal at the time and now the atf is changing their mind redefining it and so now they're saying it's all the same according to the atf great graphics so Montana is saying, we will not enforce this federal law. And that's the other thing. It's also one of those things where a lot of states will assist bureaus like the ATF. And that's why some people are saying it's an untooth or it's not really much of a statement because that's not their job to begin with. But many states do assist the ATF and the federal government. So it is a good political move for him to make his constituents happy as well as preserve the Second Amendment in his belief. And it's one of those things where I believe it's the Fourth Amendment. There is an amendment. I'm not a genius, but you cannot take someone's property without undue process. And the ATF has said, if you do not destroy this property, you have two options. Destroy the property, being the arm brace, or you need to treat it as an SBR. You need to register it, send the paperwork in, have it be a and. It'll be interesting to see how it's already in the courts. Of course, people are challenging this and it is a scary thing because overnight 10 to 40 and ATF, I believe gave 90 days for the, to take effect, but between 10 and 40 million Americans could lose the right to vote and going against the NFA or the national firearms act. If you disobey that, or if you break that law, it's a 10 year, $250,000 penalty. So it destroys your life. 
So that's why I don't mess with a lot of these. I want to say they're quirks or novelty items. Although I do respect everyone's ability to own it. It's one of those interesting things. So he actually enshrined this in law. So he said Montana House Bill 258, which passed, it protects gun rights by, and quote, unquote, prohibiting state and local law enforcement in Montana from enforcing federal bans on firearms, ammunition, and magazines. And Montana is one of the reddest states in the United States, so it's a good move on Greg politically, as well as morally, I would say, for the Second Amendment advocates. Going on to other political news, Texas Senator Ted Cruz said he is seeking re-election in the Senate. That means he officially can't run for president. Not A lot of people are speculating he might. I mean, he tried for the presidential nomination in 2016, and then Trump, like a bowling ball, just got ran down all the pins of the Republican nominations. It was a fascinating tale, to say the least. But since he's putting in bid for Senate, that means he will not be running in 2016. And is very interesting. There are a lot of politicians that usually have a couple things that are positive about them. The thing I did like about Ted was that he recently introduced a bill to limit term limits to senators and House representatives so that they cannot serve more than 12 years in the Senate and in the House they cannot serve more than three two-year terms. So as someone who believes there should be some limits on the duration of people in politics, allow them Make it a career, and I'm someone where I feel like it's more of a civic duty. It should be done out of a sense of duty to your country, not as a mechanism for profit and power. And people on the left and the right, they're somehow they they make um they make a quarter million, I believe, for base salary plus health benefits. And for some crazy reason, they all leave office and they're multimillionaires. And partially because they control the laws, which control the businesses. So I'm someone where I think it would be nice to have a couple more new faces. Now, the downside of his, of his, I believe, the bill that he proposed is that it's going to be really difficult to pass because people on the right and the left don't want to give up power. And here's the technical reason why it's going to be difficult to pass a constitutional amendment, just for the folks who might need a little bit of history. You need two-thirds of the voter in each chamber before having it, before then it needs to be ratified by three fourths, three fourths of the state's legislature. So it'll be interesting to see if it gets any steam. It's one of those things where it'd be great to have done more of a wish list. Um, and it is worth saying he is. This is going to be his third reelection, so the bill wouldn't affect him, I believe, in his lifetime because. Once the bill is passed, it's, that's the start date. So even if you've been there for 12 years, it doesn't really affect you because then it's from that forward. So that's the way the proposal is currently worded. And it'll be interesting to see if he actually win, uh, re, wins the re-election. In 2018, he only won 50.9% of the vote versus Robert Francis O'Rourke, also known as Beto O'Rourke, who's famous for being someone in Texas running for a political office saying, hell yeah, we're going to take your AR-15, which perhaps not the most prudent thing to say in Texas. So, I mean, Ted barely won. It'll be interesting to see how he goes again. Another big political news, Senator Senator Dianne Feinstein said she will not seek re-election in 2024. She is currently 89 years old. 
and has been in politics since 1992. A lot of people give her accolades for being the first woman mayor, a uh, woman mayor of San Francisco, um, which is, I mean, that city has been, uh, there, there's so much crap in San Francisco, literally. They invented a app on your phone so you can track where the human excrement is and know how to navigate your way through the city to avoid it because there's such sheer volume. They also have a lot of businesses are leaving. It's expensive and there's a lot of needles on the ground. It's It used to be a great city full of innovation and had a lot of charm to it. Uh, she's also known for pa helping pass the 1994 crime bill that banned citizens from owning black rifles, also known as semi-automatic assault rifles, as well as the magazine ban. And so she's a lot of first for a lot of people. And it is, it is very surprising she's not seeking re-election. I say this because if you look at the numbers, she keeps, no matter, no matter the state or no, no, no matter the situation, people keep voting for her. So, I mean, Chica went until she was 98. She, I'm actually surprised she's stepping down willingly because of the margin of the delta between her and the people going against her was so great. I mean, she would just never lose. So that's pretty shocking. Now, going on to the business blunders, it breaks my heart to say, but rest in peace, PepsiCo killed Sierra Mist. It was so sad. No one even noticed. That was last month. So they created the brand Sierra Mist in 1999 to compete with the big conglomerate Sprite, which is owned by Coca-Cola. So they were trying to compete with them. I believe they made the mistake of trying to rebrand it in 2016. They changed it from Sierra Mist to just Mist. Which, I don't know, do you want a can of Mist? I mean, that's up, that's up there with the idea of, do you want a can of Dew? For Mountain Dew, I guess? But like, Dew is, Dew is on the grass. Are you, are, are you canning the liquid on the grass every morning? That would be very labor-intensive. You need a special machine for that. So I don't know how that would work out. So in 2016, they botched the name. They knew they they made a mistake because, you know, two years later in 2018, they renamed it to Sierra Mist, or rather named it back to Sierra Mist. And so they, they buried that in the, in the grave. And from there, resurrected a new brand called Starry. Weird name to go with. No idea why. So they're not letting the idea of a lemon-lime soda die. They're just rebranding it, and they claim it's going to be a new formula with the new product being more lemon than lime. So it'll be interesting to see how that works out. They're going up against the biggest... In terms of lemon-lime soda, Coca-Cola has the juggernaut brand of Sprite. So that's it's always been an uphill battle with Pepsi going into that particular category. They win in others. I mean, Pepsi owns Gatorade, which is the largest, most well-known sports drink, with Powerade being the competitor owned by Coca-Cola. So it'll be interesting to see how they do, but I still think it's a business blunder because they killed Sierra Mist, which is reminiscent of many people. But maybe someday they'll re maybe they'll resurrect that brand again when Starry fails, or maybe Starry will go off to become even more successful than Sprite. Tough to, tough to say, but personally, I believe that is the business blunder of the day. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Don't forget to like, subscribe, comment. Stay safe. Fight the good fight.